0: In March of 2002, Adelphia was the sixth largest cable TV provider in the United States. But then the company made one tiny financial disclosure and within three months it was bankrupt. Shareholders filed lawsuits, the SEC alleged fraud, and executives went on trial. What the heck happened? I'm Michael McLaughlin and this is Scheme. Let's do this. Adelphia's founder, John Regis, came from humble beginnings. He was born in 1924 to Greek immigrants in Wellsville, New York, and his father supported the family by running a hot dog stand. After serving in World War II, Regis got his start in business by purchasing a movie theater. But then a friend gave him a hot tip. Cable TV, not movie theaters, was the future. Regis listened, and in 1952 he paid $300 for a license to be a cable TV provider. He started out with just two channels. He decided to call the company Adelphia, which means brothers in Greek. Adelphia became successful. So successful that Regis was able to send his kids to the finest schools in the country, Harvard, Wharton, Stanford. And when they finished school, Regis' sons came back to work for the family business. One son would become CFO and another son would become the chief accounting officer. Regus's sons wanted to expand, and Adelphia went public in 1986. But even with the inflow of capital from outside investors, Adelphia remained a family-dominated business. Five of the nine people on the company's board of directors were part of the Regis family, and the company remained headquartered in the small town of Cowdersport, Pennsylvania. But there were many changes on the horizon. The rise of the internet and digital cable in the 1990s led to dramatic consolidation in the cable TV industry with lots of acquisitions. Adelphia expanded, acquiring three companies in a single month in 1999. The company doubled in size over just a few years. By 2002, Adelphia was doing business in 32 states with more than 5 million subscribers. Everything seems great so far. We've got the son of immigrants building a business from scratch and handing it over to his children. But there were several issues here. First, the Regas family operated a number of cable entities outside of Adelphia, and they had 300,000 subscribers of their own. No one thought much of this complex series of partnerships at the time, but their interactions with Adelphia would later lead to serious problems. Second, Adelphia's growth was funded by debt. Adelphia first borrowed to create the infrastructure to provide cable TV, and then it had to borrow again to acquire other cable TV providers. As a result of these acquisitions, Adelphia's debt ballooned from $3 billion to nearly $13 billion. And this growing debt put the company at risk of violating its debt covenants. You see, when banks lend money, they make the borrowers agree to certain stipulations. For example, that their debt load won't exceed a certain threshold. And they do this to make sure that the companies can continue making their interest payments. But Adelphia's strategy required more and more debt. So to get around the debt covenants, Regis began hiding some of the debt. This is called off-balance sheet financing, and Regis did it in several ways. First, he transferred debt from Adelphia to his own partnerships. Remember I said he had those separate entities that were separate and distinct from Adelphia? Okay, so Adelphia would remove a liability and then add that liability to one of Regus's separate entities. They called this a quarterly, quote, reclassification. Basically, the debt of one company was just transferred to another company. Second, the Regis family started buying massive amounts of Adelphia stock. Regas said he was putting more money into the firm just to deleverage the company. And investors saw this as a great sign. Hey, management has faith in the company's stock because the executives are putting their own money at risk. Except they weren't. Regas wasn't actually paying for the stock. He was borrowing the money. Worse yet, Adelphia guaranteed the borrowings. Regas was effectively borrowing money from Adelphia to buy stock in Adelphia. The Regas family didn't disclose these co-borrowings, and some people wondered how the family kept coming up with the money to put into Adelphia. The secret was they weren't putting any money into the company. These were not trivial amounts. They bought 29 million shares for $1.8 billion between 1998 and 2002, and Regas had employees forge receipts to make it look like the family actually paid for the stock. In reality, they were just overstating the company's equity. But the hidden debt was just one part of the fraud. Adelphia was also overstating its profits with fictitious transactions. And it did this in several ways. First, it booked phony management fees from Regas' partnerships for services that it never even provided to those partnerships. And second, it pretended to pay an extra $26 per cable box to its suppliers. On the side, the suppliers agreed to return that money as, quote, marketing support payments. Adelphia amortized the extra $26 in costs that it was paying out, effectively spreading those costs over a period of multiple years. But the $26 of marketing support payments it was receiving, it fully booked as revenue in the current period. And third, Adelphia shifted expenses to the Regus partnerships. So they took the expenses of Adelphia and booked them to unconsolidated entities. But Adelphia didn't just overstate the profits. It also overstated the number of basic cable subscribers by including subscribers of unconsolidated companies. So this is a pretty complicated fraud here. Adelphia didn't just do one thing wrong. Adelphia concealed all of this fraud by creating a second set of books. It had a special accounting system that pulled cash from Adelphia and cash from Regis's separate entities. Now, John Regis was in his 70s when all this happened, so some people in the town of Cowdersport thought this might just be a misunderstanding. After all, Regis had a reputation for being a really nice guy. He was very kind and giving toward the Cowdersport community where Adelphia was headquartered. However, the story gets darker when you consider that the Regis family profited significantly from this fraud. They didn't actually sell any stock, which makes this fraud different from Global Crossing, Enron, and other accounting scandals. However, Regas lent $150 million of company money to a hockey team that he owned, the Buffalo Sabres. And the Regas family also spent $3 million of company money on a movie produced by Regas' daughter. They spent almost $13 million of company money on a golf course. Regas let his kids enjoy rent-free apartments on the company's dime. And they used Adelphia's three corporate jets quite liberally. At one point, flying one of Regas' sons and his friends to Africa for a safari. Now, Regis was deep in personal debt and he was withdrawing so much money from Adelphia that his son had to ask him not to steal more than a million dollars a month. All of this took place without investors' knowledge. Fortunately, the fraud was discovered when a bond analyst and a new outside director on Adelphia's board began asking questions. After significant pressure, Adelphia disclosed the hidden liabilities on March 27, 2002. In a small footnote, it acknowledged that it had $2.3 billion in off-balance sheet debt. This disclosure caused a firestorm. Investors panicked. The stock price plummeted. The SEC launched an investigation. And shockingly, the Regas family continued to commit the fraud even after this happened. They had bought some of the Adelphia stock on margin. So the large decline in the stock price led to a lot of margin calls. They had to put up extra cash for collateral. And Regis responded by transferring more than $250 million of company money to pay the margin calls. But the Regas family and several other executives soon stepped down. The company disclosed the details of the fraud, and Adelphia filed for bankruptcy on June 25, 2002. In 2006, its assets were sold to Comcast and Time Warner, and Adelphia was no more. The government indicted the 77-year-old Regis, two of his sons, and two other executives. They were charged with securities fraud, wire fraud, and bank fraud. In 2004, Regas and one of his sons were found guilty. Regas was sentenced to 15 years, while his son was sentenced to 20. So how did something like this happen? What went wrong here? This fraud was able to take place for two main reasons. First, the combination of a public company and all these separate private family entities made it really easy for the Regas family to shift debt and expenses around and to create bogus revenue. Second, there was no outside oversight. The top executives were all members of the Regus family. A majority of the board was part of the Regus family. Thus, no one was looking out for the interests of the shareholders. Had it not been for all of Regas's private entities, and had there been more oversight from the board, maybe this never would have happened. But I guess we'll never know. I'm Michael McLaughlin, and you've been listening to Scheme.